This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Morning, everyone. Uh, please keep your Bibles open to 1 John. And as many of you would know, a portion of our population has gone through an important exam, you know, the PSLE. So there are, you know, three or four young people in our church who have done that. And this is a true story. One of our friends uh, who was taking the PSLE, during the maths paper, he did something that he uh, had never done before, which was, he thought it was quite smart. He wanted to flip to the last question and do it first, and then work his way backwards. But uh, he didn't know that the last question was actually very difficult, and he spent more time on it than he expected. And by the time he you know, got through it, so much time had elapsed that he was in a panic attack uh, during the rest of the paper. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of uh, someone like that and imagine what you would feel in that situation as you are taking the exam. You know you have already used up so much time and you know you are nervous, you are panicking and you've got all the rest of these uh, questions to do. Okay, how would you be feeling then? And now imagine, okay, the results are not out yet, but let's say, okay, let's say the results are coming out. And he gets a call from the teacher because the teacher knows what he went through. And then the teacher calls him and says, you made it. You did enough to get into the school you wanted. Okay, and then now put yourself in his shoes and how you would be feeling and what you'd be experiencing in that situation. Okay, so one, you're panicking. You're not sure whether you can make it. And then the other, where you get the news that you have made it. You have gotten through to the secondary school of your choice. Now, the issue with one John is that uh, many Christians and many people tend to see it as doing that first situation of some high standard that we must meet, some hoop that we must jump through in order to prove that we are indeed genuine, authentic Christians. But I've come to understand, I think, that um, 1 John is more like the second situation. It is written to assure people that you have made it. You've gone through. Okay, this is, this is your situation, and you have made it. Now, it's important to uh, remind ourselves, and you know, some of us um, may be here for the first time, uh, the situation in 1 John. So if you are able to, please turn with me to chapter 2. And in verse 19, chapter 2 of verse 19 gives us uh, an insight into the situation of 1 John. So 1 John, chapter 2 verse 19 says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belong to us. Okay, so John is here referring to this group that was once part of the church. Okay, but now for, you know, various reasons, they have left. And more than just leaving, I mean, like, you know, some people leave church, they find a new church. But this group, in leaving the church, what they have done, uh, you look down, uh, chapter 2, verse 26, 
John says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Now, I think the situation that, uh, you know, scholars agree on is that this group has left and they have left proclaiming that they are the ones who truly know God. And so the ones who have left make this uh, claims of really knowing God and the ones who have remained that they don't really know God. Okay, and so John has written this letter to, to do two things. He wants to show the people who have left that they are genuine. To reassure those who have remained that they are the real deal, they are genuine Christians. And also to identify that those who have left are not true. In fact, he calls them antichrists. He calls them, uh, you know, th- those who, who don't have the spirit of truth. Okay, so this is the uh, situation. And you look at chapter 2, verse 12. As I said, he is writing to assure people, assure the Christians who have remained, that they are the real deal. And so he says, verse 12 of chapter 2, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome. You see, there is no doubt in John's mind that the people he's writing to, they are genuine, they are authentic, and he wants to reassure them, don't be insecure. Don't be shaken in your faith. Don't doubt yourself now because of what this group that has left is now claiming. Uh, what they're trying to do in uh, you know, leading you astray. No, you are the real deal. And so in trying to reassure them, John has set up these tests. Okay, And you can look at your outline that uh, today we're looking at the truth test as well as the love test. And I've put the test in um, you know, uh, open inverted uh, commas because it's not a test in the sense of this is what you must do, this is a high standard that you must achieve in order to prove yourself, in order to qualify. But this is a test to say, hey, you have, you are the real deal. So let's uh, ask God to help us as we look at his word. God, we thank you that you are a speaking God and that it is your spirit the spirit of truth will guide us and lead us into all truth. Please show us Christ. Please help us to trust him and fear him and love him and serve him more. Please uh, speak to us and reassure us. We thank you and praise you. Amen. So look at with me to the truth test, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. He begins with a command. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Okay, so that's the command. Don't believe, but test. And then in verses 2 to 3, he elaborates on the test. And the test is, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So this is the test. And conversely, verse 3, every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So this is the test. And so it's, you know, open inverted commas because in verses 4 to 6, he actually reassures them. Okay, this is not some test that you need to struggle, you know, um, stay up late, go to cram school and, you know, hope that you can pass. Because he says, verse 4, he reassures them that they have passed. Uh, verse 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Okay, so he assures them that they do have uh, the spirit of truth and they do believe uh, the truth about Jesus. Now, because there are these false teachers... These people who have gone out and want to lead them astray. That's why John is saying, don't believe. Don't believe everything you hear. I mean, don't believe just because that person makes these stupendous claims. This person has the Bible open. This Bible, see, this person seems to be quoting from the Bible. This person seems to be saying, you know, uh, uh, making great claims and saying how he knows God, maybe speaks about miracles he has done. Don't Believe just because the person says all these things. But you must test. And the great test is whether they know the truth about Jesus. And John says, verse 6, We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Okay, so the we here, you need to uh, be clear who is it. Okay, this is not the we that any pastor can just come and say, okay, we know God and if you are the, you know, you are genuine, you will listen to us. Okay, okay, it's not that we. The we that John says in verse 6 is the we of the apostles. The we of the, remember all the way back in chapter 1, the we who have touched him. The we who have seen him, the one, the we who have heard him, the ones who were there with Jesus, the ones whom Jesus appointed apostles. And so the we are the people who have been given the authority to proclaim the gospel. And the truth is with them. And so if you are with the truth, if you have the spirit of truth, you will listen to the ones who are proclaiming the truth. Now, conversely, the spirit of the Antichrist, verse 5 says, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Now, in this section of John, uh, 1 John, uh, John has mentioned the world and he has told us not to love the world. And the world is fading away. So you will hear of uh, people who claim to be Christian preachers, people who have the Bible open, and they will speak. But the things that they speak about are not the truth about Jesus. Rather, the things that they speak about are things that the world wants to hear. Of you know, health and wealth and satisfaction and happiness or, you know, all about social justice. Okay, not that these things are wrong, but they are influenced and pressured by what the world wants to hear. And so the point is, why listen to the people who are speaking and influenced by the agenda of the world? Because that's something that is 
passing away. Now, I heard the story of a church which had a reputation of being a Bible, uh, you know, Bible teaching church. And they had uh, a new minister. And this minister was a man of God. This minister was someone who taught the Bible and, you know, was a humble man and, you know, uh, you know, centered on the gospel, centered on Christ. And when he went there and started teaching the Bible, after a few months, there were people who actually left the church. And they left the church because they just did not like what they were now hearing from the Bible. Because in the past, the Bible may have been open. But the things that were said, you know, from the pulpit were things not so much that were, you know, uh, informed by what the apostle said was central. But they were speaking things from the Bible and it was things that was influenced and the agenda of what the world thinks was important. And so when this new minister came and actually started preaching Jesus, the Christ, the one who reveals God, the one who saves us, and the, the Lordship of Christ began to, you know, as it were, from the pages of the Bible, now come and, you know, be over the church. There were people who did not like it and left. And so John is writing to assure those who have remained. No, you, if you hold on to the apostles' testimony, if you stand Stand firm on what the apostles say, the truth about Jesus and what he's done. Then you have the spirit of truth. So that is the truth test. And then uh, John now moves on to the love test. Now we've seen the love test and, you know, uh, one thing you notice about one John, he goes through the truth test again, goes through the love test again. And so we've now come back to the love test. So see what he says in verse 7. Uh, in verse 7, he gives the command. Okay, so the command is, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Okay, so that's the, that's the command. And then after giving the command, he gives the reasons. Reasons for why we should love one another. And the, the reason is, love comes from God. Second reason Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And the third reason, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So he's given a command and he's given the reasons behind the command. Now what he does next in verse 9 and 10 is to talk about how this God who is love how he has demonstrated that love. Because this God who is love is not just, you know, an idea, you know, a philosophical idea that this God, oh, if God exists, he's like that, you know, he's a God of love. No, no, this God who is love has concretely, tangibly, in space and time, demonstrated that love. So verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice 
for our sins. Now, friends, we need to grasp that this is how God has loved us. Now, too many people go through life and they look at their situation, whether they are going through a good time, an easy time, or they're going through a bad time, a difficult time. And if they're going through a difficult time, they say, oh, God must not love us. Love me. Or they're going through a good time, things are working out well, things are falling into place, things are working out according to plan, and then they go, oh, God must love me. Okay, no, no, that is very, very shaky. Now, how the Bible speaks about our certainty that we know that God loves me is because this God has demonstrated it. He has already showed His love. In the giving of His Son, and why does He need to give His Son? Because we are rebels, because we have sinned against Him, because we have rejected this God as God, we have shaken our puny fist in His face and said, no, 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 I want to be in control. I want to be God. And the just punishment for that sort of attitude, that sort of you know, response to the God who is there is that we deserve His wrath. We deserve His anger. We deserve to face the punishment for our rebellion. But this is how God showed His love. To the people who have rejected him, rebelled against him, he sent his son. And he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. The word is propitiation. The word means that covering. It refers to that, 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 that cover in the ark, you know, which, which is covered with blood during the, the day of atonement. And the idea is God's wrath instead of coming down and smiting us, extinguishing us, there is a cover. There is someone who has taken that wrath, exhausted God's wrath for us, so that we who deserve it need not face it. We who deserve to be forsaken by God. Instead, His Son takes our wrath, faces being forsaken by God in our place, so that we need not be forsaken. So this is how God has loved us. And in this command that John has given us, let us love one another. What sort of love is John talking about? How does he want us to love one another? What, what, what sort of love must we display to show that we are ones who are born of God and know God? What sort of love? Not any kind of love. Not just some kind of sentimental good feeling about each other. No, the sort of love that John urges us to have is the sort of love that is patterned on the love that God has shown. And the love that God has shown is a costly love. The love that God has shown is a love given to people who do not deserve that love. I mean, so often we, we struggle with trying to love someone and in our hearts we, you know, justify our lack of love for them because they do not deserve it. They have not repented. They have not asked for forgiveness. They have not treated me well. And so we hold back our love. We refrain from loving and we hate and we bear grudge. We resent. But the love that John urges us to have is love that if we are those who have been born of God. 
if God is truly our Father, then there will be some family likeness. There will be some resemblance. You know, just like you can tell that you know Elliot is my son. You know, um, just like you can tell, Adani is my son. I mean, people so often when I travel, they, oh, so handsome. This boy is so handsome. Yeah, this is my son. I mean, the family resemblance is there. And so, if you are, if I am born of God, it means we will display this sort of love. Now remember, this is the love test. And it's an open and closed, you know, inverted commas. And he is assuring people that you know God. You are the real deal. Okay, so do not mistake this test as some, you know, uh, high standard of love. You know, great sacrifice and, you know, um, consistent and constant and always giving, never making mistake. You know, no, no, don't misuse one John and think of this test as that high standard thing that, oh, I, I failed today. Oh no, I, 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 I didn't meet up to the standard today. Oh, you know, I, I, I failed to love this person. Oh, I forgot to pray for him. And then you, because you didn't meet that high standard, have doubt that you are the real deal. Okay, because as I've tried to remind us, John is writing to a people, and he said, hey, you got the result. This is the result. You passed. You made it. Okay, so don't misconstrue this to be some high standard thing of, you know, perfect love. Okay, because John has already told us in chapter 1, we will sin. We are people who will be clumsy with trying to love one another. We are people who will, you know, take time to work through our emotions and show that costly love. But if you are someone who does love, you are someone who does show that love, and you can be assured that you are born of God and you know God. Now, during uh, Bible study, I asked my group members, you know, now, you know, understanding that this is uh, John's command, let us love one another. Can you, can you think of, uh, you know, examples of what you can do, you know, to love one another? You know, uh, the sort of love that is given to the undeserving, the sort of love that is a bit costly, you know, self, self-sacrificial. You know, and some of the examples that uh, my Bible study group members came up with were things like, yeah, uh, you know, serving maybe in the beverage and cleaning up team and to keep doing it. You know, month after month, even though nobody really thanks you. Right? That's love. That's love. Because, you know, the beverage cleaning team could go, I've had enough, man. I mean, nobody thanks me for this. And they just leave the cups here like that. I mean, mean, he just, they don't deserve this service. Now, I mean, they, they could do that. But, hey, they don't. Because they are born of God. And they are showing this love. And then another example is uh, someone who said, oh yeah, when I see a, a, a newcomer and, you know, um, and he's, you know, clearly someone who's uh, here for the first time, he doesn't know anyone, and then I make the effort to go and talk to him. Yeah, that's love. 
that's that's costly in a sense because you know that person could be talking with someone else being in a more comfortable situation catching up with his own friends but making that sacrifice doing something costly to go and talk to someone make someone feel welcome and then uh, the funny one is another another one who said oh yeah when i when i make the effort to talk to the aunties in the church ah that's love and yeah, because because the person said, yeah, you know, because in a in a in a real world, you know, in an outside world, I would never talk to these aunties. I mean, I, I got nothing in common with them. But here, you know, I, I, I find myself that I actually make the time and make the effort to talk to aunties. Yes, that is love. Uncles, yes, uncles also, yes. yes. No, I'm just I'm just quoting I'm just quoting uh what what the person said. Yeah. And so and so <laughs> Yeah, you see it is costly, right? Because when you when you talk to aunties, huh, you could be bombarded with all sorts of uncomfortable questions. But you know but it is uh love in action when we do that. When we do that. Uh and I think it needs to be said as well when uh, the older people you know, take the time and effort to talk to the younger people. Uh, that is also uh, love in action. And so John um, urges, let us love one another. And it's a costly love. It is a love given to the people who do not deserve it. And the, the love that he has in mind is not coming and saying, I want to be someone who receives love in this church. And I come and I don't receive the love I feel I should receive. Oh, this is not a genuine church. No, I think that's holding on to the wrong end of the stick. Because John is not saying, come and assess whether you receive enough love. But rather he is saying, be the one who gives love. And if you give love that is patterned on the love of God, then you can have assurance that you are born of him and you know him. So he repeats the command again in verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then now in verse 12, he does what he often does in the letter, which is have a transition verse. Okay, And the transition verse says, verse 12, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So in the ensuing verses, he will go on to talk about God living in us, us living in God, and also talking about how God's love is made complete. So verse 12 is a transition verse, and he will go on to talk about what does it mean for God to live in us, and what does he mean for God's love to be made complete. And so here we will see, John combines the love and truth test. So first there was the truth test, then the love test, and now in verses 12 to the end, the truth and love test is combined. And it's combined to give us confidence. Okay, so let's see how he says it. Verse 13, he says, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. Okay, so this is how we know. This is how we can have assurance. He has given us of his spirit. Now, what does the gift of the spirit do? Well, verse 14, 
we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So, uh, how do we know that God lives in us and we live in God? God gives us His Spirit. And what is it that the Spirit does? Well, He enables us to see the truth about Jesus. That's why verse 15, we can acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. And if we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, it's because the Spirit lives in us, and the Spirit lives in us because we know God, God lives in us, we live in God. Okay, Is, is that okay? Can I? Okay. So that's why he says, uh, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, verse 15, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Okay, so you see, he's moved on from truth and now he's talking about love. But you see, the point is that it is linked. You cannot separate the truth test uh, from the love test because they are linked. And John shows us that link in verse 16 when he says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Because we have seen, we have come to know the truth of who Jesus is. And the truth of who Jesus is, is that God has sent this Jesus, fully God, fully man, to be the atoning sacrifice. Now, if you get the truth of Jesus wrong, then you will get how much and how God has loved you. You see that they are connected. So if you have a wrong idea about Jesus, so I mean, so let's say, you know, some of the heresies about Jesus in the past is that he was just a man and then, you know, uh, you know, sometime later the spirit came upon him and that's why he was able to speak. And then before the cross, the spirit left. And then, I mean, if that's your view of who Jesus is, then your conception of the love of God will be tremendously shrunk. Because it is then not the Son who is fully God coming and bearing our sin. The, 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 the Son who is perfect and holy, who in order to save us becomes sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. If, if your view of Jesus is wrong, then you will get the love of God wrong. And so John combines the truth and the love test. And then he says, verse 17, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Okay, so it's uh, important to be clear what John means when he says complete. This is how love is made complete. Now, some of your versions may say, Perfect. This is how love is made perfect. Now, once again, it's possible to fall into the, the trap of reading 1 John wrongly and think of 1 John as the, the guy who, you know, is going through the exam, panicking. Oh, it's a lot, you know, I spent so much time and, uh, you know, and then, and then, okay, I wonder whether I can pass. And then to think of perfect love, complete love as that, wow high level, high standard of love. Okay, no, the idea of God's love being made complete is that God, in showing his love, 
He has a purpose. God in giving His Son, showing His love, loving us, there is a purpose, there is a goal, there is a target that God is trying to achieve by showing His love. In the giving of His Son, there is something God wants to aim at, a goal He's trying to achieve. And so, uh, you know, it's not like me, but I prepared a slide. Okay, okay, you're welcome, you're welcome, okay. So, uh, just to show the, the, the flow of thought. Okay, so, uh, this is the idea. Uh, John says, it is God who has first loved us. And the way God has shown this love is He has sent His Son to save us. Right? And the sending of His Son is to save us, is to change us, is to transform us. And how we are transformed part of the way that we are changed is that in response to this God's love, we will love God when before we didn't do that. And in response to this God's love, how this love of God changes us is that now we will love one another when before we would not do that. And so in uh, changing us so that we now love God and we love one another, God's love is made complete. Because His purpose of sending His Son, of showing this love, is to change us. Change us so that we are people who now love Him and love one another. And when we now love Him and now love one another, God's love is made complete. God's love has hit its target. God's love has achieved its goal to make us people who love God Love one another. And so John goes on to say, uh, verse 17, This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. And so you can see, right, if we are people who now love God and love one another, what does John say? If you love one another, verse 12, God lives in you and you live in God. Okay, so if we now are the people who love one another, what does that mean? We live in God, God lives in us. And so if God lives in you and you live in God, on the day of judgment, when you stand before God, He's seated on His throne, need you have any fear that you will be judged and punished? You need not. Because if you love one another, if you love God, it shows that you are born of God, you know God, God lives in you. And so we can have confidence on the day of judgment. Okay, so I'm running out of time. But let me spend the rest of the time on uh, uh, some application. Okay, remember, this is to assure us, the people who stick with the apostles' testimony, the people who are eager to hear and stand on what the apostles say, the truth about Jesus. If you are people like that, then you are to be assured that you are true, you are the real deal, God lives in you, you live in God. And so the point for us and the point for John is to say, if you can have certainty, 
if you can have confidence that in your love for one another shows that God lives in you and you live in God and you are born of God, then the thing to do is to invest, is to put effort, is to be intentional in loving one another more. Because that is the way to be certain, that is the way to know and be assured that you truly know God and you're truly born of Him. By loving one another. And if that's the case then, love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, uh, a friend of mine has said his experience of talking to people is when we journey on in a Christian life, there are times when we come to certain seasons of our life where we doubt, where we begin to have doubt whether we really know God, whether we are really Christians. And the thing that some people do at that point is to say, okay, I need to take a break from church. I need to just go off by myself, figure things out, and you know, you know, see whether I'm the real deal, move away from all the things that have propped me up. You know, uh, whether it's being in a youth group or being in, in, in church, you know, friends around me. Am I just, you know, sociologically, you know, following what everyone is doing? Okay, no, I need to go be by myself and figure things out, see whether I'm the real deal or not. Now, I think the wisdom that 1 John 4 offers at this point is to say, if you take a break from church, then you are leaving the one place where you will see Christian love in action. And where you see Christian love in action, that's where you actually see the reality of God abiding with us. That's where you actually see and can know the certainty that this is a people, this is a truth that that is real, and this is a people who really know God. So, um, there will be some of us who at some point or another will struggle with doubt. Now, it may not be you now, but it may be some of us in the future. And the temptation is for you to take a break from church. But by taking a break from church, you are actually removing yourself from the very place where you can see and know and bolster your confidence that this is something that is actually true and real. No, no, John urges us, no, let's love one another. And in a place, in a group of people who actually love one another with a sort of love that God has shown, we will actually grow in our confidence grow in our certainty who Jesus is. The gospel is true. Though I may be going through a difficult time, but God has shown His love for me. I need not doubt His love by coming and being with a community of people that truly know God and love one another. That is where you will find certainty. That is where your doubts can be fought. When you come, And when you see young people talking to aunties, when you come and when you see people serving, even though they're not thanked 
constantly for it. And when you come and when you see that there is forgiveness, and when you come and when you see that there is a, a desire to share life and work for the interests and good of one another, yes, imperfectly, yes, clumsily, but there is the reality of love because God has first loved us and in His love for us changed us so that now we are able to love one another. Dear friends, let us love one another. May God help us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.com.